One of my um, Netflix shows that I watch, full confession, is Daredevil. Now, I'm not a Marvel Comics person. I don't look at comics. I mean, if I had a favorite one when I was a kid, it was Batman and Green Hornet. Don't ask me why, but I liked Batman and Green Hornet. But I came upon this show and actually got rather interested in it, mainly because of its storyline. Of course, it's been ramped up for TV. It's not, a, it's not a cartoon. But this battle between good and evil. Now, Daredevil uh, is, the, is his superhero name. His name is Matt Murdock. He can't see. He's blind. After saving a man from an oncoming truck in the first episodes, he loses his sight due to radioactive material being spilled out. That's the storyline. So because of that, his other senses, such as touch and taste, have been enhanced. Also, his hearing has been enhanced. So often in the show, you'll have a scene where he's standing on the edge of a New York building, and he has his head cocked to one side, and he's got all of his superhero uh, uh, outfit on, but he's hearing the cries of help all around the city. And he's cocking his head, and he's listening. And it's so enhanced that sometimes the cries are just absolutely overwhelming. But he's listening for those cries and those voices around the city and where it's leading him. Now, not to equate myself with a superhero or daredevil, but that image of hearing the cries speaks to me. It's kind of how I found myself sharing my message last week on grace and why I still find myself staying with that theme. I'm often not quite seeing where God is leading. I hope I do, but when it comes to these messages, I find that I'm hearing around me, and what I hear around me leads me to these messages. And what I'm hearing is a world desperately in need of what I would call a refresher course on grace that includes good, faithful church people like you and I as well. We may hear different things, but what I hear is brokenness. What I hear is alienation, addiction, and loneliness. I hear fear, fear of those that are different, fear of punishment, fear of the future, fear of simply living an authentic life. I hear anger. I hear frustration. I hear incivility. I hear hate and sometimes meanness of spirit. And sometimes I hear despair, futility, and resignation. And I don't hear these all at once, but I hear them enough that I find that grace is this reality that doesn't seem to be showing up much in people's lives. Or if it is, it's just, it just doesn't work anymore. But I guess I'm not ready to give up on the possibility of grace. In her most recent book, uh, Krista Tippett, uh, author and broadcaster, has written a book entitled Living Wise. And here's what she has to say. The discourse of our common life inclines toward despair. In this immersive 24-7 news cycle, we internalize the deluge of bad news as the norm. The real truth of who we are and what, and what we're up against as a species. But then she writes this. But our world is abundant with beauty and courage and grace. You've heard me talk about the news cycle. I've had to sort of give myself some space from that because I get that. It is a deluge, a deluge. And it somehow reorients me around a narrative I don't particularly want to always be oriented around. 
But I love where she says, but our world is abundant with beauty and courage and grace. And she challenges me. Either I'm going to see the world as it is communicated by this new cycle and internalize it as the norm, or I'm going to see the world as abundant with beauty and courage and grace. And really, I choose the latter. And I do so based on personal experience as well as my faith journey. But I also choose the latter because that is the kind of world I would much rather live in. And that is the kind of world I would much rather reimagine and help to create. Now, grace is this big word. But I tend to favor Dallas Willard's definition when he says this. Grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. It comes from a root word meaning kindness and blessing. It's God's disposition of kindness and mercy toward the world, toward you and I, so that our lives may be made whole and our lives may flourish. Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians this very famous verse. I say famous because I think it's one we often recognize, where he says, it is by grace we have been saved. And it is the gift of God. It's because of God's goodness and kindness. And it's nothing we have done that God starts this process for us, process of making us whole again. And I don't just think us, but I think all of creation. God is not just seeking to save you and I, but all of creation, to restore it to wholeness, to a place of flourishing. And it's ongoing. It's not just a one-time experience. It is ongoing. Salvation is a process, not just a one-time event. And so to say that the world is, in Krista Tippett's words, abundant with beauty and courage and grace is to say that the world is filled with God's presence and goodness. And it's often in and through the abundance and kindness of God's people and actions and courage that it is made manifest. Now, it occurred to me that Jesus probably never actually directly used the word grace to describe himself. I could be wrong. But it's probably because his whole life was a living example of grace. He didn't talk about it. He lived it. And when we see Jesus, we see grace in action. In fact, I'd like to think that our lives can increasingly become this abundant with beauty and courage and grace. And when we do, we bring a different presence to this world. We bring a presence that offers civility, graciousness, and hope. It's a presence that believes in possibility. It's a a presence that has no reason to judge the other since we're all in this journey together and we all need the same grace and mercy. It's a presence that brings beauty to the world through forgiveness and reconciliation. It's a presence that's willing to bridge the divides rather than widen the gaps, simply because someone may see it differently than I do. And that, for me, as I shared, really is being put to the test. And as I go into this meeting on Wednesday, I find that it takes grace and mercy and believing in the abundance of beauty and courage and grace and hope to be a bridge builder and to not widen those gaps. But this means I need to make an effort, which brings us to our scripture today. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, quote, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, do it with a sense of awe. Do it with a sense of wonder, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So in other words, our salvation journey is not this one-time experience. It is this process of restoring to wholeness that's being worked out through our everyday living and the course of a lifetime. Again, I love how Dallas Willard puts it, grace is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. 
The grace part is God graciously at work in our life, recreating us and remaking us, showing us who we need to be. Our part is choosing to make an effort to engage God's graciousness in our life by making decisions and choices and taking the kinds of action that move us in that direction towards greater wholeness and flourishing. In other words, again, grace is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. What effort do I make on my part to engage God in God's grace? See, when I think of this dynamic, I can't help but think of going to a gym but never working out. A person buys a membership. They buy all the right workout clothes. They take time to drive to the gym. They get out and they go into the gym. But once they're in the gym, they simply sit and watch everyone else work out. They may talk to one of the trainers and tell them their problems and groan because they don't seem to be getting any healthier or not in shape. And then they leave, only to come back and go through the process all over again, maybe the next day, maybe every other day. So I thought, well, maybe it's not unlike our spirituality today at some point. Person goes to church, but never makes an effort to work out their faith or salvation. They secure a membership, they put on all the right or appropriate clothes, they take time to drive to the building, their meeting house, but once they're there, they simply sit and watch others work out, or maybe watch others sit watching others work out. They put in some money to maintain their membership, they may talk to a few people and lament on how their spiritual life seems stuck or they don't seem to be growing spiritually, or they're not being fed spiritually, then they get up and leave only to come back the next week and possibly do the whole thing over and over again. See, very simply, God brings the grace, but you and I, we bring the effort. God brings the energy for transformation and change. I bring the willingness to change and grow towards my best self. God brings the possibilities and opportunities for choosing a journey towards flourishing. We bring the capacity to accept that responsibility and make the choices that will move in that direction. Grace is God at work in you and around you and on your behalf for your well-being. God doesn't work against you. This is the thing I think is so important. God doesn't work against us. God works for us. God puts people, moments, opportunities, circumstances, and situations in our path that serve to bring possibility and wholeness to our life. But God won't make the choices or decisions for me. As my friend Trevor Hudson likes to put it this way, God will not gatecrash our life and force compliance. It is all by invitation all by invitation. So knowing how God is at work in me means I need to be paying attention to what's going on inside of me. I need to be attentive to the ways God is at work in my life. I need to be aware and open to those grace moments that come my way and ask myself questions like, what is God speaking to me through this? What might God be inviting me to do? What's my next step I need to take? Who is God inviting me to become? See, God is at work in our life. Every day, every moment, I believe that. It's just whether I am paying attention to it and noticing it and listening to what's going on. God is at work in our grief and sorrow. God is at work in our addictions and attachment. God is at work in our fear and judgmentalism. God's at work in our stale and sometimes dead marriages. God's at work in our depression and our anxiety. God is at work in all of it. And here's the thing. If it matters to us, it matters to God because we matter to God. 
When God's grace is at work, our efforts matter because our efforts and practices, the way I describe it, it maximizes the grace God extends to us for our own well-being. And these efforts may not be dramatic, but they may be simple, but they are significant in our own continuous growth. It's possibly that making the effort looks like this, to make a phone call to a counselor or a treatment center. Maybe making the effort is to reach out to someone and apologize and ask for their forgiveness. Maybe making the effort is to seek to understand a person's point of view or position before declaring them wrong. Maybe making the effort is to work on a character flaw in our own life by seeking to live or respond in a different way. I had this one message pop up on my screen yesterday while I was preparing this message, and I read it, and it, was, and it went like this, quote, I'm practicing the discipline of not having to have the last word. I said, ah, I don't know if God has a computer, but that was meant for me. That takes effort on my part. And how it takes effort is sometimes I have to tell myself, shut up, Scott. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. Listen to what they're saying. Take it in. If you have something to add to it, we'll give it some time. Get back to them and say, well, here, let me share how I see this. But the effort I have made has been the willingness to exert on my own part the fact that I have the ability to choose, to decide, to make a decision, to accept responsibility for how I respond. That's how we make an effort. And sometimes I just readily admit it's by God's grace that God showed me someone in my life that disagrees with me so God can show me how to be a better person. I know that's a really weird way for God's grace to work, but sometimes I just think that's how it is. In his wonderful use of words, author Frederick Beekner has this to say about grace. Quote, The grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party would not have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift, too. It is a gift. It's a gift that's extended to you and I, a gift that promises to make us into different people, the kind of persons we would rather be or we want to be, the kind of persons that bring an abundance of beauty and courage and grace to the world. God has done God's part. Grace has been extended, and it's extended every day. Now, I need to do my part to make an effort to do what needs to be done to maximize this capacity of grace to change my life and make my life whole, to decide, to choose to listen, to be willing to work on whatever it is I know I need to work on. So here's a few questions, and then we'll take some time. How is God at work in your life? Where is grace showing up? Where is God's kindness most evident? Where has grace been extended to you as a gift to show you maybe what you need to work on or how you need to be? And then what do you need to do now? And what's your next step?